The bottle and glasses startled me as Matt put them down on my desk. I was neck deep in casework, but he knew better. We'd been on the road for months now and hadn't taken a break. Frankly, we were starting to show the signs of it. Pouring me a glass, he pulled up his chair and smiled. After all, when was the last time we relaxed? The case wasn't going anywhere. We had time for a drink or two. Hi, my name is John. And I'm discovering new depths of my social obliviousness. So that's Matthew. (laughs) And uh, we're the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. I remembered, man. I remembered. No, I didn't. That was was not you. That was me. We've we've done this 15 (laughs) times now, and you'd think I'd remember him. I'm getting better, though. To be fair, it's only... That's only the 15th. We only had 14 before that. Fair, but... Oh, boy. We've done this a lot. This is... The entertaining thing is, so, this plays into the overall theme of today's episode, to pull the curtain back for a little bit, yeah. there were the first, we did the first three episodes, or the first six, and At then we went the on first pause? six. Uh, we did the first six episodes before we did any more, so that was, okay, this is, I, I know the titles, I'm going to do it, let's see if I can do it without looking. Oh. Uh, Werewolves of Hungary. Uh, the Bandit, Not the Bird, and A Few Familiar Faces, and then we did The King of the World, The Man of Tomorrow, and Sex, Lies, and Superpowers. Okay, then. Oh. Which is the one with Arden. Yeah, because we did wind up bumping those together. We merged um, the interview with Arden Lee at the end uh, to be with that episode, as opposed Mm -hmm. to giving her her whole episode like we did with... uh, a match made in Olympus, which was the Wonder Woman one. Let's see if I can do all of them. Oh, God. That would be interesting. <laughs> um, if you can pull it off, I'm going to be so we did, really impressed. So I stopped at Sex, Lies, and Superpowers, featuring Arden Lee. Then you do The Woman from Paradise Island, Spy Games, Bulls and Bracelets, uh, A Match Made in Olympus, From Dots to Dream. Oh, uh, boy. Um, body Swapping and Sunken, body, sunken Treasure and Body Swaps. Uh, super so science, good. super science, and dinosaurs. He's gonna do it. And those two, those two had the subtitles uh, specifically. Um, the first one was uh, "Sunken Treasures and Body Swaps." Had response. Had um, no, it did not have response. Was it responsible moshing at the beginning of that one? I think it was, but I think we wound up going with boy bands aside, right? Oh no, that was boy bands aside. Then, the, then um, super science and dinosaurs was. Responsible moshing, and then the recent episode was movie monsters and uh, and crime school or uh, coup 101. Oh, well done! <laughs> well done, mind you. I look at I look at the SoundCloud, the iTunes, all the stats literally every day. Um, that is basically my job is I edit, I post. And I do all the the RSS stuff, the, uh, the the hashtags, the tagging, you know, search search stuff like that. I you do the visual aids. A lot of a primary amount of the research that people find actually the most interesting is, I think, what you do, which is a huge portion of this podcast, purely because nobody wants to listen to me just recite plots for an hour plus because I don't want to listen to that. <laughs> but for some reason, some of you do, and, th- and God bless you. For that, because if you didn't, we wouldn't have any listens at all. Um, but it's it's a lot of work to do this podcast from the both of us, and we, we want to. I think first off, 
thank all of you for listening. Uh, I see you, those of you who jump on every new episode pretty much within like the first 12 hours. I see you because I look at every episode within 12 hours of itself and thank you. We enjoy this immensely. This is a lot of fun for the two of us. And knowing that there are people out there who are listening who are hopefully enjoying it as much as we are. <laughs> I like I like to imagine that like 90% of the people of the listens we get are people who listen to one and then just bounce. Yeah, I, oh, I bet like our, our, retention, our, our retention rate, our, our D1 retention is about Well, that's uh, why I don't look at the, <laughs> that's why I don't look at the Stitcher stats because Stitcher tells you when people stop listening and oh. that just makes you oh, want to wow. jump off a building. Yeah, because it's just like 11 minutes in, you stopped 11 minutes in. That's not even like through the first story. That's like literally like that's... We're still goofing off at that point. Yeah, at that point, you're lucky if you get to the first plot that we cover. So I can't look at the Stitcher stats. iTunes, I haven't figured out a way to to look at the stats. They probably Um, don't store that. They probably don't make that readily available to you, if if at all. But SoundCloud is really good about that. So uh, for those of you who are looking to publish a podcast online, I would recommend SoundCloud very highly, purely because the RSS feed situation that they use is pretty much cut and paste for any other uh, platform that you want to use it for. And if you get SoundCloud Premium or Pro, I think, which is what we have. I want to say Pro. Um, that allows you to have more than three hours on your channel, which, of course, you need if you're doing a podcast. And that will also give you access to all the analytics that you want to see, um, which is, like, literally, you know, minute-by-minute analytics. You, there's an app for your phone that will do that as well. So for those of you who want to do that, we would highly recommend SoundCloud. They're very easy to use. Um, there's also a lot of... Uh, easy metadata stuff on there so you can say like what kind of copyright this has so we have to do it specifically because again thank you kevin mcleod who does all the free music Mm -hmm. that we take holy crap guys that music is so good for all the noir um we will we always credit him for every episode so if you want to find his music and patrol and go through his library there's tons of different kinds of music there it's not just the music that we have Please go check it out. Please give him, like, some love. He's a fantastic, you know, musician and artist. And I'm in love with all the music that we've used for this podcast specifically. It's it's almost been perfect every time. It's very hard to find the right song, let alone someone who does royalty-free jazz noir music. <laughs> so, thank you, Kevin. We, we love you, and we will continue to... Uh, you know, shill for you and plug you as much as possible. We don't do this for money. This is not a, a for-profit podcast. Um, we do this because we want to. So we're in it to give credit where credit is due. Huge thanks to anybody who puts anything up there on Creative Commons. Uh, I have certainly made yeah. more than my fair share of use of Creative Commons material. So thank you, people who don't even make us ask for things. Just put stuff out there as in the case of Kevin uh, just stuff that is out there and labeled for free for use thank you everybody who participates in that ecosystem yes uh, today is going to be a little bit of a, a different beat of an episode well, it's, a la- it's a landmark episode 15 yeah. of these is, is a big deal for us I mean we, we it's both about were... a year um, just shy because we started doing that's when we started picking back up again, but we started that's recording we started episodes. That's, true. At least that's the thing. Like that's what I meant. Like the first we did the February first six of, episodes. Yeah, February of 2016. Uh, we decided we were going to do it in December, 
Yeah, I think was, we. I thought we recorded a couple episodes. It's possible. Um, so yeah, we're coming up to almost a year of working on this. So this is a big deal for us. Fifteen mm-hmm. episodes is, quite frankly, a lot of work. That's fifteen plus hours of us just basically not talking about anything anybody really cares about. <laughs> um, God bless you for for listening to that because holy cow, like there are some really good informative educational podcasts that you could be listening to, but you'd rather <laughs> listen to the two of us, you know, talk about comic books. We're glad that you prefer uh, bullshit to bet and bettering yourselves. Yes. Um, we hopefully <laughs> God knows we made that decision. Yeah, we we did. Um, we hope that there has been some interesting information in this, uh, through Matt's asides that have all the historical information, or just if you're curious about DC Comics characters, hopefully my ridiculously encyclopedic knowledge has been helpful to some degree. Um, I know it's a curse for myself, but it can help, if it can help somebody else, I'm glad it has. <laughs> if you uh, can keep just one kid from getting hooked on DC Comics. Yeah, well, no, if I, if I can keep one person from really, really, really liking Calendar Man to... <laughs> The loving Calendar Man, you're welcome. I've made a good. I, if I can get any of you to like Catman, I'm done. I win. I win because Catman is one of my favorite characters. Um, regardless, this is a different episode, as Matt was saying. I don't know what we're doing. I gave Matt the reins. I let Matt kind of decide what the agenda for this episode is going to be. We are, of course, going to go back to our regularly scheduled detective work next episode. Um, if you have figured out who we're going to go to, yes, please. it was such a cryptic clue. Well, not many people may know that series, so let's be honest. If they're listening to this podcast and they're doing it because they don't know DC Comics, dropping the name of a series really True. wouldn't do anything for anybody. Probably, um, probably. So, if you have an idea of who we're going to cover next time, uh, drop us a comment or something like that. We will go over all the terrible things that I have done to not let you all know about all the the places where you can talk to us but i am now going to hand control of the microphone over to matt all right all right so in today's very special episode of dc detectives we're doing some general uh somewhat retrospective you've kind of depending on what we've cut or haven't uh you've heard us go on about things that are our experience of making dc detectives for the past uh we established uh, 10 months almost a year now close to a year something like that uh and also, more generally, talking about comics, our experience of them. Uh, almost like, the way I'm envisioning this is almost like a panel. Except a okay. two-person panel. Yeah, that'll work. But yeah, so want to just kind of do some general like Q&A-ish type stuff, expounding at length on ourselves. Ugh. So, John? Yes? What got you into comics? What got me into comics? Um... The first comic I can remember reading, and you'll you'll get a kick out of this, um, 90s X-Men, where the X-Men were in the Mojo-verse. Nice. And it was like, I want to say, the end of a storyline where Dazzler and Longshot um, were in it, and at the end they got together, and I knew absolutely nothing about what was happening except for the fact that there was... Wolverine, Cyclops, etc. Because I'm sure at that point I had seen the cartoon, mm-hmm. um, which at that point would also have been the Batman the Animated Series and Superman the Animated Series at that time. But I, to my recollection, the first comics that I, I really remember owning were those 90s X-Men comics with the Mojoverse and not knowing what the hell was happening. And also, the, also Mojo is not a thing that like a child should see. Yeah. 
like a nine-year-old like coming like face to face with that like hellraiser version of job of the hut no <laughs> like that's oh, exactly wow. what mojo oh, wow. is, is is just if hellraiser decided to mo- like hellraiser java and from then i think I, I i remember specifically getting a dbz comic at one point hmm. um which is which was totally inappropriate for a child because it was pg-13 and i was too young for some of the master roshi nonsense that was happening in that comic oh uh, yeah yeah um it was that it was that era of dbz at the time mm-hmm. um then i started getting frequently the superman the animated series comic companion nice. comic to the, to the cartoon that was on wb kids at the time um shout out to freakazoid woo uh that was the best show ever and that really started getting me into the medium as as it was just learning to read through comics you know eventually i went to school and learned you know with all the programs that they had at school and stuff like that my parents gave me books and stuff like that as a kid you know berenstein bears or hmm. berenstein bears depending on which universe you're in um but comics were like really okay in my house i never felt like it was weird i never felt like my parents were gonna throw them out if i like left for college because my dad was a huge sci-fi nut he he had all the star wars books my mom was a was a trekkie so it was never weird for me Mm -hmm. to have comics it was just more so that they wanted to make sure i was getting comics that were right for me that were appropriate for my age range which you know was good because that was then it was easier to get me into stuff because i could also understand the plot lines better i was able to to enjoy it a little bit more because of course when you're a kid anything that's above your head is kind of like i'm either making up what the reason is behind this or i just don't know what's going on and something's part of some of this is lost in translation and like i I really i'm really uh thankful to my parents for for nurturing that um enjoyment like my sister was huge into uh betty and veronica nightwing sailor moon um she has all the sailor moon volumes too so she really enjoyed that when i read that yeah um so she was like i also got into comics too from just her like talking about them like i had a sister who was also into comics so it was helpful to have another person who was kind of of my peer group even though my sister's six years older than i am um kind of to talk comics with like we would watch cartoons together as a kid as kids and play games together like you know video games and things like that so we really bonded over that when when stuff in comics would happen um we'd get excited and that was kind of like what i really what what really got me into was i was allowed to be into comics as a kid which was which is lucky for me Mm -hmm. it wasn't one of those situations where your parents were like nah bullshit you know stupid garbage it's gonna rot your brain and whatever stuff what about you so the initial exposure to comics for me I have I I remember exactly the very first comics that at least with regards to comic books because previously like I grew up we had uh, Bloom County we mm. had uh, we had Calvin and Hobbes that's a house. lot of that's a lot of newspaper comics it, conversely too it was a lot of that initially that was just stuff that yeah. we had around like Calvin and Hobbes everybody had Calvin did Hobbes. you read Foxtrot. Um, I didn't really get into it until a little bit later, but uh, I like that, I was definitely once I started like reading stuff in the newspaper uh, and being a little more conscious. Yeah, that was one of the early ones. Like in very early days were Garfield and Bloom County because my dad just had a couple volumes of it. In terms of actual comic books, 
for me, the I remember I don't even remember what it was that my parents came back from, but it might even have been my mom and my sister went out and came back with a couple things. We're like, we we think you'd enjoy this, and it was a volume of a an issue of Scrooge McDuck, Yay. and issue twenty six of the Sonic the Hedgehog comic, specifically twenty six. Those are two very different titles. Well. Not at that point, yeah. I because mean, that was uh, you've wa- you watched a little bit of the Saturday morning uh, cartoon, yeah. But there was also the syndicated uh, cartoon, which was what the Sonic comics were really like leaning on initially. Because yeah. <laughs> I had some of the Sonic comics too, and I mm-hmm. just it was one of those things where too far in can't get can't get into it. You know, yeah. I I got lucky. Like I I started up on that right as continuity started to be developed. Mm. Uh, so. Like, that was sort of one of... It wasn't the extent of my comics at that point, but it was... That was the only thing I was really invested in. Because I'd still get, like, for Christmas uh, and Easter occasionally, like, the little little stocking stuffers. Here's a comic. I remember a uh, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego comic that I got at one point. Yeah. Uh, and I definitely knew one of the things of what is uh, Siam because I played Risk at the time. But there was a lot of exposure to comics sort of in that vein. Uh, but also some uh, Star Wars comics. Uh, but it wasn't really stuff that I was really following. Uh, except for Sonic. And that was awesome. And then for some reason, I don't even really remember what inspired me to actually pick this up i think two things were happening simultaneously the first was the library that we were going to had a monthly subscription to x-men and this was super back in the day Mm -hmm. uh this would have been like probably late 90s i want to say probably probably late 90s super early 2000s uh, I have a vague memory of Wolverine getting crucified alongside two other people. Uh, and that's Sounds like a 90s comic. It really does. Um, <laughs> but I think I was reading those, but not really clicking. And it was, it was something where they only got one issue every month. But then for some reason, before going on a trip to the beach, I just stumbled across in like the 800s in the Dewey Decimal System, uh, they had... A volume of the first like year or so, but the same kind of thing that we're reading now, except of Spider-Man. Mm. And I don't know why I picked it up. It might have been just well, comic. Why not? Well, I don't think it was even that. I think it was. I think it's that I knew that that was a thing that people enjoyed, and it was well. I'm supposed to like this, right? Or it's, something to that effect. That's how I started reading Harry Potter. That's very interesting. It was like, mm-hmm. everyone was talking about it. I didn't want to read it. And then eventually I read it. And I was like, I guess it's okay. And then I like, loved it. I got in on uh, I got in on Harry Potter a little bit more ground floor, it felt like. Because I think we got into it right as like the second book was coming out. But uh, then from there, just... That was the first like superhero comic that I got into, and then just off to the races, whatever the library had. And, I mean, at the same time, it, it was superhero comics and manga. Lots of manga. Uh, anyways. <laughs> Definitive eras. Ooh. Uh, for me, it was the 90s cartoon era as well as the Jeff Johns. Um, 
GL and Flash era. That was when I really started, specifically for the Jeff Johns era of comics, uh, when he started writing uh, Flash and GL, uh, like Green Lantern Rebirth and things like that. I really latched on to those because I really started liking the literary quality of the comics. That was when I was becoming a little bit more aware of how deep comics really were. Um, like, for example, one of my favorite things to point out uh, to people is uh, Green Lantern, for example. Uh, primarily, when Green, Lan- when Green Lantern first came out, he had a weakness to the color yellow. And that's explained years and years later. But the weakness of the color yellow uh, was very interesting because Green Lanterns are supposed to be fearless. And what do you, what is the old-timey slang for calling someone chicken or scared is you're yellow. I thought that was clever that at first blush like you would just be like why that color like green isn't really that that's not really an opposing color to to yellow Um, but it's really sort of a a sly really simple um, literary device of a metaphor Um, and I really started to like that I really liked the flash because the flash I was still in the era of flash doing flashbacks Um, so whenever he would uh, do internal monologues he would refer to flashbacks that Barry had taught him because it was Wally at the time mm. and um, you know say like flashback number like 227 you know running into a projectile at high speeds hurts you just as much as it or uh, flashback number whatever it's just Newton's law um, and I thought that was really cool like that really that really struck a chord with me and I really became very fascinated by the Flash and the Green Lantern as characters in general and I used to get those comics um, I used to get Flash specifically uh, in the mail and I would because DC at the time had a mail order system mm-hmm. where you would just order and then they would come every month and um, yeah, I really I really liked it and I, I really had a a good solid relationship with the comic for a good long time and then when I stopped getting comics I kind of dropped out and then I jumped right back in during the new 52 and 52 and countdown and stuff like that but that was when I really began to understand why I liked comics I think was that era nice for me there are four different eras that stand out um so Sonic comics uh Mm -hmm. There's about a two and a half year stretch right around from issue 40 or so through 70 and then the Knuckles comics and the specials that came out during that block. That was a good grounding in continuity and honestly like character development pretty heavily. Can I I ask you a question about Mm -hmm. Sonic comics? Yep. Was there a French character? Yeah. Uh, Antoine de Coulet. Was he a, a weasel? No, he was... Uh, I think he's a fox, but he's got the mustache that's so a little hard to tell, and he's got the hair. Why would a mustache make it hard to tell? Uh, it's less of, like, fox-like features. Uh, you don't... The the visual style of a fox face is broken up by having hair and a mustache. Is that what it does? I think so. Pretty sure it was I a mean, fox. I mean, I'm not going to debate mm-hmm. the, the species he was. It's more so that I'm now questioning the validity of mustaches breaking up the visual recognition well, I mean, of an animal. Well, you think about like, the, uh, <laughs> the, the facial structure of a... And specifically the markings on a fox's face. Yeah, I'm thinking You do about have it. fairly defined... Okay, you've got the nose. But he can't have a mustache, too? I, I, it was a pencil-thin mustache, too. It's not like it was a big mustache. Yeah, but it, 
it's enough that it offsets some of the some of the markings. Like I when I think of a fox, I have a very clear picture in my mind of blobs of white, red, little blo- uh, black dot nose. It doesn't have I'm to, just, but I was just more entertained. In addition that. to the character not having any real fox traits, because yeah. because here's the thing: is I was just entertained at like the facial hair throwing that off for you versus like nobody knows what the hell Goofy is, and then they're like <laughs> no, he's a he's, dog, he's, and you're like, is he though? Because Pluto's a dog, and Pluto's a dog dog, and yeah. Goofy's not. So welcome to Disney here, right? And that was like <laughs> the old versus, versus like well, can we put a mustache on him, and I would have been like, "Hey, it's a fox, okay? He's <laughs> got a mustache." But you're yeah. just like, "No, mustache and hair equals hard to tell." And I'm like, "It's what is he wearing a disguise?" Like I'm now picturing a no, a, but he a is wearing a, a military uniform. I know he is wearing like a full like Napoleonic yep. you know, soldier's uniform. But I'm now picturing a fox with a Trump toupee on and a mustache and like I don't know what animal that is it could be anything but that it, it's not a fox <laughs> nope nope I think that's our I think that's our subtitle everything about today <laughs> everything about today uh, I also you'll hear me go back to the idea of uh, Batman as the dark patriarch and like early 2000s uh, Batman, specifically early 2000s Bat Family, is huge for me. I really like uh, Chuck Dixon. I think his run on Nightwing was spectacular. Or I Jackie have... was a Jackie was a big Nightwing fan. Nightwing because and the, Nightwing and the Outsiders was her. Okay, her so jam. that's a little further back. I think that's what, maybe, but, but the yeah. Outsiders was her jam. Like right when Dick went to Blue Heaven. Nice. Okay, so maybe it was right around then. Uh, but yeah, right around when they were doing. Uh, War Games, uh, No Man's Land. Well, No Man's Land probably kickstarted it to a degree, uh, and then Bruce Wayne Murder. I I liked the world that was built up in a number of different comics, and it didn't hurt that that was also similar to the next one that I'm going to go over. A bunch of those volumes were at the local library. Like it's amazing how much my taste in comics was shaped by what was in. Uh, the library hmm. made all the difference in the world that's cool I mean like I don't know if my library had that I I, um, I stopped going to the library at a certain point but mm-hmm. I do remember I have a lot of good memories of going to the library with my mom and uh, you know finding books I really loved the Huntington Beach Public Library it was really nice. cool um, but that's that's cool that there that your library had an actual comic selection I, I'm, in, I'm interested now in going to, to libraries to see if there is a um comic selection for for children that would be actually kind of neat what's interesting is usually there's both a for kids section and a not just for kids section we actually had like two different areas and as a result like every once in a while uh, the there was a point i'd been getting stuff from the kids section and it was like uh the big two and then there was also the anime and manga just kind of in that same area and then one day i discovered in about the 800s Oh, there's all of these other comics here, and it's stuff like Warren Ellis's stuff. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm curious like, if there this. if there's a good way of donating to libraries or used mm. comics just to have just for yeah. them to have them. They absolutely, I'm sure there are. That's cool. Yeah, that's I would be very interested in doing that for them, just because why not? Yeah, you know, I, like, I have way too many books. <laughs> it's a cool way for getting people into them. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly, uh, around that same era of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of, really, from like around 
around September 2001 until Civil War. I really like the character arc that Peter Parker has there. I my my Peter Parker is married and trying to make things work yep. and has the support of Aunt May and Mary Jane Watson even if there's stuff to be worked out. Like I like that dynamic and I'm sad that it's gone and everything is ruined forever. So it's interesting because that's my Peter as well, but I read Ultimate Spider-Man. We which read was a, not my dad and I actually that. both read that. Although and not not that it was bad. Like I actually really enjoyed um, good. the writing of Ultimate Spider-Man. For uh, I Bendis is a good writer. Stop stop reading a long time ago. I think when Gwen Stacy got introduced and she got killed by Carnage. I think at that point there was a weird situation. That sounds right. That was when I stopped reading just because I couldn't keep buying them because I had money problems when you have a when you're a kid mm-hmm. and um i i enjoy miles morales as a character i think that's really cool um but at the time i was reading teenage peter mm-hmm. while there was nothing wrong with any of what bendis is writing i liked 30 year old peter who is married and like had his shit together at least mm-hmm. enough to be a good spider-man yeah it was definitively that was a version of the character that felt like the character was growing into new territory. Like the as Spider-Man, great as yeah, Ultimate the... was, like specifically Ultimate Spider Man was, oh, we're 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 telling variations on the existing story. Right. Alright. So we've established both of us are Green Lantern fans and we've we've dropped hints that are you? you are I am. But I, I mean like not but oh, yeah. but yeah, I'm that's the thing. I am a Green Lantern fan, but that is much more because I've been Lantern adjacent for a while. Uh, Hard Traveling Heroes has been your thing. Yeah, yeah Hard Traveling Heroes, uh, Green Arrow winds up as a result of that series. There are a lot of plot threads that Which get is why pulled you like Green Arrow Lantern so much. Well, actually, referring to comics, Green Arrow. Well, yeah, I know, but, uh, but yeah, I uh, like the show Arrow because of the the style of storytelling that Arrow can provide. Um, which is a, a a more grounded character, but a lot of drama. Honestly, like my version of Green Arrow, actually, my version of Ollie is not that character. Arrow's more Arrow is more like X Men. Yes, which Arrow, is I think why you like Arrow it. as a show is one hundred percent Claremontian, and that's why uh, you like it. Oh yeah, it's great. It's soap <laughs> opera. It's shit. It's glorious. <laughs> the reason that Flash didn't hook me nearly as much, and granted, only a couple episodes in. Uh, was because there wasn't a soap opera. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta keep watching. Yeah. That happens, man. And, oh boy, does it happen. But anyways, uh, my, so something something Green Lantern, something something Green Arrow, and then Green Lantern. Uh, so who is your Lantern? How? You know, I knew you were gonna say that. Although I have a, I have a very specific reason why it's how. It's I don't dislike any. I, I will also say this. I have not read any of Rebirth yet, so I, I'm not familiar with the two new lanterns that are for Sector 2814. Um, the, I think it's a, a Muslim man and a Hispanic woman are the two new lanterns for the for the, uh, the core that are part of the Justice League. Don't have any. I don't have any experience with them. I'm sure they're cool characters. Um, but the ones I grew up with, the ones that I have deep feelings for are... How Guy, John, and Kyle. Oh, because you were an animated kid. Of course. Uh, you were big on uh, JLU, right? Yeah, but that should have been John. 
Shit, you're right. Yeah, that's the okay, thing. Is, yeah, I don't know. Where, even though I don't know how you hooked on to. So so here's so here's the thing. So even though the Justice League Unlimited and Justice League Cartoon were huge when I was a kid, I didn't gravitate towards John. Not because I didn't like him, but just it wasn't clicking for me. Um, and I ended up really, really, really falling in love with the idea of Hal's character. Mm-hmm. And because a lot of when I read comics at the time, um, Kyle was the GL. Yeah. And I liked Kyle. Like, I thought Kyle was neat and I didn't have any problems with him. Um, Guy wasn't nearly around as much as uh, any of the others at that point. Yeah, I think he was he, Warrior he, for a time. He never then... felt like a lantern at that point. Like, yeah, at what, that once point. they did the uh, rebirth, okay, yeah, everything's pulled back together. Right. But, but he was not a lantern, first and foremost. Right. And I think really what, what sold me on it was Jeff Johns' Green Lantern rebirth. And... The idea of a character who was good, went bad, semi-redeemed himself, came back after dying, and then still didn't care if people didn't like him but still did his job, is to me what a hero is. Someone who does the job because someone needs to do it, not because he wants people to like him. And it was so very different from early Hal, which was... You know, smarmy, kind of, you know, smarmy, womanizing, jerk, who didn't think things through. That was Hal Jordan. And the idea Nathan of... Nathan Drake. Right, yeah. Um, Hal grew up. After 20 years of being dead and being a specter, he actually grew up as a character. As an individual who took the slings, of air, slings and arrows of life, took all the ridicule everyone ever gave him, and stood up for anyone who went in his place when he was dead. How became a leader as opposed to a lantern. He became a role model of what you should be as a lantern. He threw himself into it because at that point John was having so much depression because of the the planet explosion. Guy had come back and was kind of an Owen lantern at that point. He was kind of like mm-hmm. the uh, Sector Zero lantern so he worked with a lot of the other lanterns to go on missions and Kyle was the 2814 lantern. And when when Hal came back, it's all business. And the only thing that makes him still somewhat Hal is his attitude. It's his lip. He's still a little bit cocky. He still doesn't care as much. But he's more responsible and more respectful than he ever was. Which I, I love about him. Like the, the entire sequence of him coming back during Rebirth and saving Kyle from Sinestro. And really really wailing on Sinestro for insulting Kyle and saying you don't get to talk like that about him he was the only one who stood up and took the ring when no one else will you don't get to talk about Kyle uh, Kyle Rayner like that and I thought that was really cool it wasn't just like what up man like let's fight like I'm I'm Hal Jordan you're my nemesis let's do this it was punishment for being disrespectful and then during uh, the Sinestro Corps War, when Oa gets attacked by Sinestro Corps members and Hal tries to help other Lanterns, and they refuse his help. Some of them like mm. spit on him or push him away or call him names, and the fact that Guy Gardner stands up for Hal Jordan, I was like, he's definitely changed, because Guy and Hal yeah. were, were at odds forever, and I just love the descriptions of the other Lanterns when they give it to him. Like, Kyle has... No real relationship with Hal. 
Because it was like, remember that? Uh, you were taking up the mantle for the greatest lantern of all time, who also turned out to be a villain. And is dead now. Go. And so Kyle has this huge uh, myth of how in his mind, and Guy um, has the intense rivalry, and John has the respect of a uh, fellow soldier. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like when John stands up to Batman on, on Hal's behalf is one of my favorite things. Um, during rebirth is he basically says the only reason you and Hal never got along is because Hal never bought into what you're selling. Hal was never afraid of you. And what is the Batman if someone isn't afraid of you? And that's why you didn't like him. It's because you couldn't scare him. And that explains the GL Batman relationship so well. Is mm-hmm. Batman doesn't really have a problem with Hal Jordan. It's just Hal Jordan doesn't give a shit about what Batman's doing. It's just, man, we're all here to be superheroes. Just fucking do it. Like, just be a superhero. Do your, do your job. And Batman's like, we have to plan, we have to do this, we have to do all these things. And he's just like, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Why are you taking so long? And uh, that style was didn't mesh. I just loved, I loved the mythos surrounding the lanterns. I love all the different things, mm-hmm. like the new cores and things like that. It just, But to me, Hal is the best lantern. Then you, it's just, there's so many good characters in the lantern cores. And so much different mythology and so much... Uh, creativity in the core is I just like the idea of different planet superheroes like mm-hmm. the diff- the variety of constructs alone are so intriguing to me so it's I just love Green Lantern as, as a whole it's a, it's a cool concept to me mm-hmm. I think it very much depends on the execution but uh, John's taking it over <clears throat> yeah it sounds like it has gone through a huge renaissance oh yeah uh, Jeff Johns is did some really good things with it and like changed the reasoning for the yellow impurity mm-hmm. he he rewrote some of the mythos he made everyone's constructs different on purpose which is the coolest thing that's the thing like right. you, you kind of had a little sense of that with Hal and Kyle back in the day but like actually making it seriously different it, yeah, is the, a huge step there's forward. a great couple of pages in rebirth where where Hal is narrating watching the constructs take shape and he explains that Kilowog's ring is the only ring he's ever heard make noise. And it mm. sounds like a cannon. Because he has so much willpower in him that it's just a force. And Guy is sparking with energy. It's like it's leaking out of him. And John is solid power. And whenever he sees a construct built by him, he can see the screws going into it. Because mm-hmm. John's an architect. He's like, I can see the entire schematic at, at light speed being constructed in real time and he's like and with Kyle and he's like and with Kyle everything's constantly shaping because Kyle's changing it mid-thought because he's an artist and the idea that like everything's morphing constantly and changing shape and and mishmashing and sketching it's it's like I like the idea that there are they, they are different people mm-hmm. they have different ways of doing things and and the, even the aliens have like different things like when the, when you see the Sinestro Corps people bring out constructs it's creatures you've never even seen before but to them that's mm. that's a fearsome creature and it's I like that idea it's like wow like I didn't even like we don't even know what that is but it's scary as hell like it's cool <laughs> so it's just so cool to me nice would yours be Kyle so kind of but not necessarily like honestly the because of the stories that I was reading the the lantern that impacted me the most, that resonated with me the most, was specifically post-death Hal Jordan. Uh, it, not so much in the role of 
the Spectre, but specifically the uh, specifically the echoes that he makes when he's about to ride off to the final battle with the Sun Eater, uh, and mm. and it's just specifically the like I mentioned, uh, a lot of my uh, Green Lantern adjacency is through uh, Green Arrow stories, hard traveling heroes, and Quiver especially, and Quiver. At that point, Hal Jordan is not on the scene, but he's set some things in motion of, I I tried to, in the few minutes that I had before I rode off to my certain death, after being a villain for a while, I did a few things to try to fix some of the good things that I remembered from the olden days. Specifically, he sets it up so that uh, Quentin, so that... Uh, uh, Oliver will come back to life, and that that vision of post supervillain, but not quite post enough and pre death Hal Jordan, Hal Jordan as fallen Lantern, but not yet unredeemed, uh, is that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from that, well, yeah, I gotta go with Kyle technically, but that's just more exposure than anything else. Right. Uh, guy is the best of the characters, but he's the most like fun. Said, not really a lantern. Guy, at that yeah, point. guy's the most fun, and uh, it's only until recently that he's become a very good lantern. Yeah. Him, him and John have come into their own as big characters for the core in general. Mm-hmm. And then one last question: hmm. What is the single issue you've read the most? I'm actually curious about this one. Single issue, probably the same. Two issues I've probably read the, the same amount because um, it's issue, not volume. Yep. Um, the villain-specific issues of both Mirror Master and Eobard Fawn Zoom, um, hmm. uh, specifically Evan McCulloch Mirror Master. There were two issues during uh, Flash pre and post fifty-two. So this is Countdown, and then fifty-two. Um, not new 52 there was a whole shtick before that um and i loved the idea the entire theme for the mirror master episode uh, issue specifically was uh through the looking glass he made a lot of alice in wonderland references the entire time and it was just it was such a it was the first time i'd ever seen a villain specific thing that was complete backstory for this person that was had nothing to do with the Flash. And I think it was right when McCulloch had become Mirror Master, because there's been at least two or three Mirror Masters, um, mm. and none of them have known each other. Um, they've all either died or been put in jail, and uh, McCulloch was the latest of them. He was given the the mirror gun, I think, by Argus. Um, but it was one of those organizations, and he just turns on them and becomes Mirror Master with the rest of the rogues, and the idea that he's the odd guy out because he has no relationship with the rest of the rogues. And he used to be, you know, it's, he used to be a hitman, and after a while he's sort of doing these jobs, and accidentally he killed, like, he's, he's given up to an orphanage and is raised as a criminal, essentially. And um, one of the jobs he does, he accidentally kills his own father. Hmm. And then goes to apologize to his mother... And finds her having committed suicide in their home. And also the idea that McCulloch is a drug user. And that 
Captain Cold is not down with that. The end of the issue has him snorting cocaine off of a toilet and then kind of passing out in a reverie in the bathroom. And then the next issue of Flash immediately is Captain Cold busting in and dunking his face in the toilet and yelling at him for using drugs. And that was really cool to me because it was just like, these these guys are so hardcore. They kill so many people. Like, the, the, the Flash rogues are not nice people. They are mm-hmm. murderers and sociopaths at the highest degree. But the idea that Cold is so strict about their about the rogues' code that he would even hurt his own man to teach him a lesson. And that Mirror Master was that much of a wild card. It was interesting to me. Um, and then the... Uh, the Eobard Thawne Flash issue that specifically focused on him because, of course, at that point, Thawne had done so many things. Um, uh, Thawne is specifically obsessed with the Flash so much so that he is a Flash scholar. And the issue literally goes through the years of his life and then redoes it all. As he goes back in time to change his own life story to make it easier for him to become zoom and it's just this whole paradoxical situation of like the first page is him going like i was a i was a child of a loving family with a with you know an older brother who who i competed with very early on in my life and then the next panel you see no brother and his parents and him look very somber and says i was an only child that's an interesting way of doing and then you see in the background the zoom speed lines like in every panel there are zoom speed lines as he tries to manipulate his own past to become who he needs to be. And just oh, the idea that trip. that zoom is such a such an anomaly in the time space continuum as well as the speed force that he's able to do this without actually affecting anything because he exists outside of time now. Hmm. Um and it's just a this really interesting story of a man so obsessed with the flash that he needs to become his his ultimate villain. It's just a really interesting look at a villain who um, is essentially a god. Like Zoom is Zoom is the reverse Flash. He has the reverse Speed Force, and he's just using it in such a way that is terrifying. And I love those two issues. I, I need to find them, but they're they're so good. Like they're so good. They're such good reads. Nice. For me. Um... I think we've kind of mentioned both of them. Uh, probably the fourth issue of the Knuckles the Echidna ongoing. Well, I guess, actually, they did two... Well, you and I have talked about this. I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast. But yeah, the Knuckles the Echidna comic I remember you yeah. mentioning. Yeah, uh, very good stuff. Uh, Ken Penders was a spectacular writer. I haven't read any of his more modern stuff, but that stuff was good. Uh and I think the other contender for most read issue for me would be another Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, one of those early volumes, because I only got those in volumes, not as individual issues. You could make an argument, maybe. I might have read certain volumes of the Evangelion manga hmm. more times. Okay. Just because I went, I went through a phase on that one. <laughs> but Everybody uh, has an Evangelion phase. Yeah. I have yet to have mine. All right, all right. Yeah, I was sure trying I to say, like, I didn't, I didn't think that you'd had one yet, but uh, just remember, it's all fun and games until you remember that those characters are fourteen. Yes. Yep, that was an awkward realization. But yeah, Japan. Yeah. 
What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, c'est uh, still a very moving uh, piece of work, and I will probably never go back and rewatch or reread it all the way because really? I don't know if it would hold up. Hmm. Like that's one of those things I I read and watched it in high school. Hmm. I don't know if FF Seven would hold up now. I don't know if this would hold up. What about the Knuckles the Echidna issue? You mentioned it, but what hmm. about, what about it really uh, struck you specifically? Just it was one of the. I liked the specific story arc that it was in. Um, it was not the initial miniseries. They did two miniseries and then did an ongoing going off from there. Uh, it was... Specifically, it was introducing... Really setting the stage of the the bigger world. So they had already... You had the floating island. Okay, they had been introducing other characters who just lived there. You got the rest of the Chaotix. The first miniseries was introducing uh, Enerjack and the idea... Really explaining the idea of the Brotherhood. You, you get sort of some of the mythos. But this was the first... That had just been one character who was sort of an echo of the old villain that plagued the old order. But one person who shows up and gets sealed away at the end. This was where everything started to expand. Uh, really, that and the immediate following uh, three-part three arc right after it was about bringing a lot of those theme, those sense of bigger world and actually bringing it into play. Like, instead of, oh, we've got one giant supervillain, it's, oh, Here's his army showing up, hmm. and how does that change things? And then the very next uh, three-part arc was, okay, now let's bring in a bunch of civilians, and how do you interact with them? Uh, so for me, this was the, the beginning of that Claremonting. Larger story, larger story possibilities yep. just beyond the, the confines of the storyline and the plot. Yep. It, it was the first moment of really shifting away from the uh, monster of the week kind of thing a long game yeah it was a, a very a very elaborate b plot yeah and, and establishing the potential for a whole lot of them okay yeah i mean if you really have the opportunity i would honestly say read the sonic the hedgehog comics i read a yeah. few of them when i was a kid and they're they're good it's just it's also really surprising how mm. how it, good and well thought out Sonic comics are well, I mean it depends on the era I mean, off of a game let's just put it that way it's like yeah. off of a game about something running to the right <laughs> um, there is that it's impressive what they did with an entire storyline about mm. a character who is a, a, a rodent that runs very fast and suddenly got like political for no reason you're just like okay we're doing <laughs> this we're alright yeah okay it very much depends on the era that you're reading but yeah like it's had some very strong arcs I think that about does it does for us it. today. Okay. So thank you guys very much for spending some time with us and uh, following us as we uh, traipse our way and write our name in the snow. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> we needed to we needed to take a uh, a breather episode since we we just moved and we are not um, f- f- the battle station is not fully operational as it stands and um, we're getting the material for the next episode. So we wanted to continue to produce something. So we wanted to give you a little bit of a. Uh, 
you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, but also, hey, this is this is his name sort of a situation. Um, <laughs> because it's exactly kind that, of what this is. It's a very confusing uh, set of don't look at Don't look at him, but that's Jeff. Uh, you know, that's exactly what that God, is. God, I want, I want to see, like, what Jeff's costume is like in The Wizard of Oz. You're right. Pay um, no attention to the man behind the curtain. Oh. It's just a guy with, like, a name tag that says, hi, my name is Jeff. Um... <laughs> But that's, we wanted to give you a little bit of a, hi, how are you, from us, because we haven't really talked too much about ourselves as people. We never talk anymore. We, we, we don't talk anymore. <laughs> you don't call, you don't write. Um, your mother misses you, really. Uh, and we just wanted to make sure that we, we delivered something for you, because we wanted to, we wanted to keep in the habit, and we didn't want to let you guys down. Yeah. Guys and gals and in between. Mm-hmm. However, now, it is my duty to inform you of all the locations that we exist, because we we haven't seen the traffic we'd like from you quite frankly but you're, 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 why are you looking pointedly at me I know your father I and I are very enough. your father and I are very disappointed in your in your your lack of social media interaction <laughs> this, is, this has now become my two dads and we're your dads so uh, all right Matt's the responsible one and I'm the cool dad who doesn't do a lot around the house <laughs> I'm the uncle Jesse of this situation. But we we have some social media platforms that uh, we'd like to see some interaction with. So here here's the thing. My goal is to have, for next episode, a listener question section at the end. We would like five questions from our listeners so that we can start growing a rapport with all of you. This is, this is all fun and games until we start realizing that we're shouting into the oblivious space of the universe and no one's going to shout back. Is there anybody out there? Oh, God, um, but we would, we would really appreciate and encourage and love some interaction from all of you. So, in two weeks, you have two weeks to do this. Well, realistically, they're only going to have one, right? No, there's two weeks between episodes. Yeah, but we're going to publish it, and then a week later we'll be recording, right? That's fair. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> Act now. Yeah. Supplies are limited. So yeah. So another another bit of inside baseball. Here's how we how, here's how we do this. We record an episode one week, and then I edit it, and then we release it. So in that time, it's it's a two week process. We have the the weekend record, another week of editing, and then that weekend we release. Hmm. Uh, in that time period you're listening to two weeks of a new episode because every time we record usually there's a new episode or something going up soon so you have one week after this episode airs to put listener questions in where where aware do you put those listener questions in that's a good question dcdetectivespodcast.com has a contact us button and that email or that question will get sent directly to dcdetectivespodcast at gmail.com want to send us email that way too you are more than welcome to we would encourage that uh we also have a twitter which is at dcd podcast yes so at dcd podcast is our twitter account uh we have a facebook page dc detectives podcast so it's facebook.com slash dc detectives podcast that yes so we have a Facebook, we have a Twitter, we also now have an Instagram, which is DC Detectives Podcast, uh, where we will be posting just pictures from the visual aid, 
to you know kind of encourage more conversations or just hey did you miss this this is a funny picture or wow this is wacky and original and new look at these hijinks yeah superman playing football so you have our email you have our website you have a facebook twitter and our instagram and you have your marching orders and you do you have a job to do five questions in a week and then we will answer some of those hopefully we get more than five if we do we will save some of them and do for the next time we will keep doing this because we want to have a conversation with all of you we want it we want to bring people into this because that was the whole reason we did this was to help people understand and help make conversation if you have friends who don't read comics or who are interested in reading comics and don't know where to start give them the gift of the podcast that is what we are for we are here to do the legwork so you don't have to explain to your friend what comics are like we're also here so that the next time you find yourself without a friend, but at, say, a party where you are trying to talk with people, you now know random shit that you can start a exactly. conversation with. You can make friends and then send them our way. You're now the cool comic book person. Because that's not be- a combination of adjectives. Yeah, they are. Yeah, man. That's it, a real... That's a real thing. It, it actually does work surprisingly well. Yeah, we're, we're in a strange era right now. It is. So, please... Send us some questions. We'd love to hear from you. Even if it's questions about us or comics in general, we would love to talk about those and talk with you. You are not alone. We are not alone. Let's, you know, let's hang out. Let's have some fun. Also, uh, as far as I'm aware, I'm not sure how many subscribers we have for the podcast on iTunes. I have no idea if there's a way to look for that. Fucking fine now. If you do listen to the podcast, subscribe. It helps us know that people are listening. It also helps you see it when it comes out more. Um, It also puts us up higher in the uh, search algorithm if there are more people listening to it helps us out because the more stats we have the more people that are listening to it the more questions we'll get the more content we can produce and the more of a community we can create we want to make a community out of this if you have suggestions comments questions uh or expletives to throw our way please do so also well actually us on things we are looking forward to it we will have a lot of drinks the first time we get a well actually in celebration so, you know what to do. Also, the jury is still out on Matt getting a onesie, so ten of you have to say that Matt needs to get a onesie. And if that happens, oh boy, guess who's getting a onesie. Thank you again for indulging us on this episode. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Matt, for doing the legwork on this. And uh, we will see you next time, right? Sounds good. All right. DC Detectives is available on iTunes and Stitcher. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, and our website, dcdetectivespodcast.com. I know you heard about these just a few seconds ago. Don't pretend like you didn't. All right, here's an award. It was good to laugh, and good to remember why we did this. We'd fallen in love with the medium as kids, and... If the cases were casting Bruce and Clark in an unpleasant light, we were also seeing them build towards the characters we knew and loved. Every case reminded us why we cared about comics. Some days, it was good to be a detective. <laughs>